You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So I know it would be a schus how much, especially knowing the amount of uh, love and connection Rabbi Schwartz had to his family. So thank you again for being here. Uh, the first sighting I had of Rabbeinu Gedalia Schwartz was of him striding towards the mikveh on 51st Street in Borough Park and that strong regal steps of a person so at home and the surroundings around him, um, comfortable so much in his being. I was a young, younger man. I was being called to serve as on the Besden for Gators. This was in 1984. When I asked my contact what I needed in advance, uh, what was in effect my initiation into rabbinical life, I was told one thing with Rabbi Schwartz, come early. Uh, it was in those moments when Rabbi Schwartz and I uh, would wait for the third Dayan who, uh, who was consistently arrived at the last minute, much to Rabbi Schwartz's chagrin, uh, I was able to glean shards of greatness from our speaking and learning, usually related to whatever obscure safer I brought with me, um, because I knew I would have to wait, uh, which Rabbi Schwartz always had familiarity with, uh, including various editions of the work and who had edited it and when it was published and um, he had recently accepted the mantle of editing Hadarom, uh, which despite his many duties and individual desires to expand and enhance his private learning, uh, he accepted this responsibility. And he subsumed the urge uh, that many have uh, once they get a hold of a, uh, of a, of a, a magazine like that to publish, uh, to use this worldwide respected organ of information. It was uh, started in 1957 by Rabbi Chevelle, of course, uh, as a way uh, to vainly spread his thoughts in novella, that's not what he did. He embodied in Tobo the archetype of the caring editor and a moderator, allowing others to shine and presenting important groundbreaking articles, uh, fascinating Gnuzod, Kisveyad, and really giving young Rabbonim, uh, many of those who are on the forefront of Jewish thought and leadership uh, today, a forum to publish and presenting by dint of Rabbi Schwartz's requests, uh, to the G'dayle Hayro of the time, Piskei Din and Directives on the Crucial Issues of the Day in the Modern Orthodox World. You can see articles there on women's tefillah groups. You can see perspectives on homosexuality. You can use, you can see the use of electronic uh, surveillance uh, and cloning, along with the new strands of Machshava, neo-Hasidic thought, uh, penetrating biographical insights into the G'dayle HaPoyskim whose world Rabbi Schwartz inhabited and loved. Um, in this New Age forum here of the Zoom teleconference, I'm going to attempt, just as he would, to craft the setting, to be the type of moderator he was, uh, and allow the Chaverim and Rabbonim to articulate in their distinguished voices the spadim and those tributes. Now, emulating the Nifter's work, I, I just want to present an introduction uh, called from the Divrei Mareches, where Rabbi Schwartz would write briefly his introduction to those volumes, uh, and I feel speak to our time and place and sorrow and angst. Um, I, I, I'm going to share those with you right now, and I'm going to share the screen so you can see them, and I think you will see how relevant they are. This was um, from Rabbi Schwartz's description of, I think it was the year 1986, after Ramesha Feinstein had passed away. And you can see 
He writes, but when Hussein Arabim Nistalka Shur Shlemishal Gadoli Yisrael Beretz of a Chutzleretz, a group, this has been a terrible year in terms of so many Gadolim who have passed away. The Epshul Aharech Keroig Dulosam Vahashbosam, it's impossible to really take note of, of how great they were. Kolechad Vechad Ben Aniftari Minia Chalal Bavira Lameno, Shekeish Koshaliros Ech Yismali Chalalzeh. I hope those of you that are listening appreciate his elegant uh, Hebrew, his elegant uh, rabbinic Hebrew that he, that he really uh, was a master at. And he says it's impossible to really be able to describe them. Um, and I would say for today's time, uh, this is something that clearly is, we know that we have lost another Minsker uh, for Leo Bakshi Doron, uh, Rabbi Schwartz's chaver in who had uh, been the editor of Adoran before him, of course, the great Plesik, Rav Nochem Eliezer uh the great Marbitz Tayyar Melamed for Kuala Yisrael, Rav Adin Steinsaltz, the, the Leichei Melchemes Hashem, Ba'ad, Tayyar and Musr and Ashkofa, and for the, the Shittas of the Aguda, Rav Chaim Dave Keller, um, the Plesik and Eli Otsum, Rav Zalman Nechemia Goldberg. Um, and again, obviously, most so much recently, uh, the Paisic really of America in so many ways from David Feinstein, um, and the, the voice of, 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 of really moderate and understanding Torah Judaism and, and, and so much the, the voice for so many, uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. And I would add here also, uh, Professor Dr. Rabbi Norman Lamb. Rabbi Schwartz had a wonderful uh, appreciation of mentioning uh, in a number of places the the shear that Rabbi Lamb gave that Rabbi Schwartz was so familiar with. Rabbi Schwartz, in, in immense, is talking to us. How, how are we supposed to deal in this terrible COVID year uh, of so many who have died? And Rabbi Schwartz mentions here, as you can see, Rabbi Feinstein, who was so dedicated uh, to the thousands of, 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 of Jews all over America, and especially to someone that Rabbi Schwartz himself understood, a Rav that was Yoshev Galmoid Bepina Nidre Bore Asoda, that was in some place so far removed from, from perhaps it was English town or Providence. And, Ramesha, and Rabbi Schwartz told us that what we need to do is see these deaths, and as much as they shock us, but actually to sense the challenge as Rabbonim to lon that despite our pain and our sadness and our sense of what's missing, but to continue to actually steig more, using a yeshivish expression, to actually give ourselves even more to learning. As Rabbi Schwartz says here, that we have to believe in what Chazal tells us, that even though when Rabbi Akiva is gone, there's still Rebbe. And in that sense, as shocked as we are, and as necessary it is to take note of all that we've lost, with Rabbi Schwartz particularly, uh, such a tremendous loss, we need to be able to have hope in the future in the future of, of, of who is coming into Klal Yisrael, who's being elevated, who, is, who's, who, are, who are learning and studying. I want to read one other um, little aspect um, from Rabbi Schwartz, and it's not, unfortunately, I wasn't able uh, to find it online. Um, I wasn't able to find it online, uh, but I do want to read it to you quickly. Rabbi Schwartz talked about after the Twin Towers 
uh, went down. Rabbi Schwartz spoke about uh, Rabbi Schwartz spoke about the situation that changed with the uh, the Twin Towers, and he mentioned that we have entered a period of of metichut, a period of angst, a period of pressure, and a period uh, of such stress that everybody is affected by. And we all have, of course, been affected by Corona. We've all felt the stress, the fear of walking in the streets. And Rabbi Schwartz says, when he talked about the stress and the fear after 9-11 of, of terror attacks, he said, we have to be misromeim, that we have to uplift ourselves to continue in a, in, in a high level of spirituality. And Amuna Shleim Hashem, I'm quoting Rabbi Schwartz here. We cannot be weak at all. We cannot, in any way, allow ourselves to um, to lessen our intensity in our service of the Rabbi Shalom. And as he says, when he talked about his halakhic responses to the Twin Towers and the Aguna Shilas, he said, Klal Yisrael has always, take, has always taken Ma'iris Tragios, has always taken these tragic events, tragic events of, of health and, and death, and have used them where, wherever they occurred, especially the G'dayli HaPoiskim, Lifter Yonim, and, and doing whatever we can. And I think Rabbi Schwartz would, would, would applaud so incredibly the way the G'dayle Rabbonim have taken this terrible period and have adapted and, and, and explained all the dinim and all the halachas and all the heroes. This is Rabbi Schwartz felt was necessary, which what he did after in that in terrible period of, of terror. Um, before we... Um, introduce our our maspidim. I just want to quote a, one other uh, statement from Rabbi Schwartz, and it's here from when he spoke about what he felt America was able to do, and he said that the rabbonim in the United States, it's hard to talk about all the important things they've done. But Yesh Lahasker Bimiyuchud Yisodo Shoa Bezdin da America, Shehir Mlanu Samchos Hatayra. The RCA's Bezdin, the Bethdin of America, Rabbi Schwartz felt needed to be mentioned. Bahirola Maisa, and he felt this was one of the greatest accomplishments that American Jewry was able to accomplish. Umukir Abezdin of Toriat Tarani, as the Torah authority in all at eight places in the world. And therefore, this Hespid really uh, takes advantage of Rabbonim and Dayonim who are connected to what Rabbi Schwartz felt was almost the imp- most important element, which was Dine Teira Alpi Halacha that jive with completely the modern sensibilities and allow Teira to live among human beings and to be functionable. And in that sense, we are we are very much mavurach with having with us three individuals who can speak very well to Rabbi Schwartz and his involvement in Dinei Torah, his Mahalach and Psak. Uh, I first want to call on someone that I I feel is probably 
has been the closest personal uh, attendant to Rabbi Schwartz, someone who knew him, who worked with him so consistently, who was the menachel of the Bezdin Sedek of the Chicago Rabbinical Council, who was Rabbi Schwartz's right-hand man and someone who understood Rabbi Schwartz so well. So I'm going to ask my, my good friend uh, and, 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 and wonderful uh, menachel and the rabbi, Rabbi Alan Abramson, uh, to please offer us some words of Hesped and Harocha. Rabbi Abramson. Okay, yeah, thank you very much, Rabbi Kivalevich. On a uh, personal note, I wanted to just mention that 40 years ago to the day, um, I had my, uh, my vort uh, when I became engaged to my uh, Rebetzin, now my now Rebetzin, uh, Tzivya Bracha Dobin, that uh, Rabbi Kivalevich came to the Vort in Fairline, New Jersey. And uh, from there, we drove back to Yeshiva together. And um, it's been uh, many, many years. Uh, so it was 40 years ago today that uh, you came to the Vort and uh, that we left to learn in Yeshiva for many years together. Um, I said most of what I wanted to uh, relay, relate in the Hesped that I had the privilege of delivering um, the day after the Ptira at the formal Levaya for Rabgadayadov Schwartz Atzal. And many, many words have already been uh, shared by so many. Uh, in addition to those who gave the Hespedim then, there have been uh, many uh, other Chaveirim, many other Balabatim who have delivered Hespedim remarks about Rav Schwartz. Certainly his Midah of gentleness, warmth, and kindness was a very consistent theme um, that uh, permeated everything that was said. So I just wanted to add one one or two uh, small items to what I had mentioned uh, and, at my Hesped and to give a couple of examples. First of all, I mentioned that Rabbi Schwartz grew up in Newark, New Jersey and went to public school. And this was in the 40s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. Uh, you can only imagine what a must, must have been like for a Jewish boy to grow up in Newark, New Jersey. All the people there were probably um, identified as Orthodox. Uh, yet, nevertheless, um, many, many of those who graduated from the Newark Public Schools went on to other um, endeavors, uh, only a few of them. I think um, uh, the Art Scroll, the editor of Art Scroll was also a Talmud um, in Newark, New Jersey. There were some, several um, very exceptional Talmudim. Rabbi Schwartz was one of them. And he was an American boy that chose a life of Torah in the 50s. 
unheard of for the most part, to choose a life of Torah. The overwhelming majority considered success for a Jewish boy to go to law school, medical school, professional education in some other form and in some other way. And to choose, first of all, Rabbanus, to choose a life of Torah and to dedicate oneself to that is an extremely exceptional and very unique sura, very unique part of who Rav Schwartz was. And this was everything that he did. He always chose the life of Torah and he always chose a life of uncompromising Torah in Rabbanus, which Cohen can imagine in the 50s and in the 60s was not necessarily an easy transition in America to be an orthodox rov with uncompromising standards. But in addition, we also spoke about his gentleness. And I want to give a couple of examples. Of course, he was a great posek. Of course, he uh, handled uh, every case with the utmost delicacy. But um, what I remember most is we would sit in a kashras meeting at uh, the Chicago Rabbinical Council, where I would take him to the Schlacht House, to the slaughterhouse in Aurora. And Rav Schwartz was as concerned about the Shochtim and about the Mashkichim as he was about the standards of halacha in assuring that Kashras and the halachas of Kashras would be protected. When we came to a schlacht house, the first thing he would do is he would go to the owner of the schlacht house, I remember Mr. Fagan, and he would inquire about his welfare and about his family and how things were going on there. And then he would inquire about the shochtim, how they were doing. He was very, very worried that their parnosa would be compromised, that their ability to earn a living would be compromised. He was always concerned about their health, about their safety. This was not a very safe place, uh, a schlachthaus. You had, I remember the first time I went with him, um, you could see the workers, they all had, they're wearing football helmets. It was like uh, they were dressed even uh, more carefully than Bart Starr or um, uh, uh, some or Jim Nance from the NFL. They were, they, it was a very tough place with, with the, the, the calves kicking and, uh, and knives and what I don't even want to, um, I don't want to make people vegetarians. But I would say that he was concerned about their safety every single time. That was his concern. Of course, he would check the knives. He would check how he knew Tarfus. He, he knew Hilchus Trefus. He knew the anatomy perfectly. I don't know how, how, uh, uh, how a person could have such depth in, uh, of knowledge of the uh, anatomy of the cow. And, but he did. Yeah, and as an American boy, American man who understood all of this. And that was his concern. His concern was for the mashgichim when we had a kashrus meeting and there were issues about a mashgiach 
at a restaurant. He was as worried about how the mashkiach was being treated by the owner of the restaurant or by the fellow workers at the restaurant and how the restaurant was being developed as a place where people could come in. And he was worried about the mashkiach. Of course, the mashkiach is going to make sure that every piece of lettuce was going to be checked for bugs and that every part of the restaurant was going to be 100% kosher. But as equal, and I say this as equal because I mentioned this in my hesped, to the rough human relations and halacha were one and the same, equal to the standards of kashrus was his concern for every mashkiach, every person at the restaurant, every shochet, every one of those people in the shlachtels. Pretty incredible to see that. And that's what left a lasting impression upon me. Every time he would say to me, how are you? How is your family? Go home to your family. He was always careful about that. And he said this to everybody else as well, not just to me. And everybody knew that about him. His gentleness and kindness, this ish halacha, the gentleness and kindness were one and the same. And with that, I thank you, Rabbi Kivalevich, for that opportunity. Thank you, Rabbi Abramson. Very, very heartfelt and very, very important, I think, to hear. Next, we have um, uh, someone who has taken uh, a time out of a very busy schedule and someone who was zocha to uh, have a quite a constant contact with Rabbi Schwartz. And I want to say that the contact began in 2008, which if you do your math, you can see that Rabbi Schwartz at that point uh, was already um, in his 80s, was already uh, uh, well into his 80s. And Rabbi Schwartz wasn't just someone that picked up the phone and spoke with him but and, and said hello, was actually involved intently, intensely, with the Dine Torah that were happening. Because Rabbi Schwartz wore a number of hats, and they were very similar in the fact that he had been the, he was the Av uh, Bezdin, or the Reish Bezdin, I want to make sure I get the right terminology, the Reish Bezdin uh, eventually of the uh, CRC, but he was the Av Bezdin before uh, at that point, and the Av Bezdin of the RCA. And in that sense, he was personally involved in many of the Dine Torah that were taking place as sort of like a, um, uh, he would check in on them and he would be involved in what was going on there. And the Menahel of the uh, the Bezdin of America, the best din of America at that point, and still is from 2008 on, is my chaver, uh, Shoma Weissman, who uh, had the schus to speak with Rabbi Schwartz and to be involved with him. And he has uh, graciously given of his time here uh, to add his words of Hesped and Harocha. So, Rabbi Weissman, if you would, please. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Kivalevitz. Um, first of all, thank you, Rabbi Kivalevitz, for putting this together. This is a, a worthy tribute to, uh, to an Adam Gadol, who we all, uh, we all miss, who had a real impact on American uh, orthodoxy, on American, uh, the American Jewish scene. Um, and so thank you for putting this together. My connection to you, Rabbi Kivalevitz, is actually, in a way, through Rabbi Schwartz, because if I'm not mistaken, Rabbi Schwartz, uh, you worked uh, under his guidance in Chicago as a member of his Bezdin at the CRC. And then when you made your way uh, closer to the East Coast, uh, I think Rabbi Schwartz put you to get, put you in touch with Rabbi Reese. 
and you started sitting on cases at the Bezdin of America. And uh, I had the privilege then of uh, taking over after Rabbi Reese left the Bezdin uh, to go to Yeshiva. And I, I got to know you, uh, fortunately, Rabbi Kivalevitz, uh, through that. So that's, uh, that's uh, in a sense, Rabbi Schwartz is intimately involved in the connection that we have and uh, which I value. I'll, I'll just uh, kind of mention a few notes a few horrors that I have, memories that I have of interacting with Rabbi Schwartz and impressions that he made on me personally. Uh, by the time I, uh, by the time I came to the Besden in 2008, Rabbi Schwartz was less frequently visiting. Uh, he used to, I think, Rabbi Reese can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Rabbi Schwartz would visit monthly and spend some time in the Besden back in, in his day. Uh, by the time I started in 2008, it was a little less frequently. And so I didn't have the pleasure and the privilege of dealing uh, in the same office on a regular basis with Rabbi Schwartz. But I remember one of the most um, memorable uh, memories I have of Rabbi Schwartz is a testament to his poise, to his regalness, for, to, to the way that he interacted with people. We conduct Gittin at the Besden on an almost daily basis. So we're, we do hundreds of Gittin each year. Um, there was one time when Rabbi Schwartz was in the office and there was a get scheduled. And so naturally Rabbi Schwartz was asked to be the Masader of the get. Uh, and I remember everyone kind of piled into the room because this was such a special treat. In Chicago, I guess this was a regular event. But in New York at this point, this was a special treat to see Rabbi Schwartz uh, in his old stomping grounds as the Masader get. Um, and so everyone in the office kind of just pulled chairs into the room uh, and it was there was a hushed tone, and we were able to kind of watch Rabbi Schwartz go through the regular Seder Haget, but because of his poise, because of the stature that he brought to the process, it was just above and beyond what I would normally experience when I would see a regular get. The way he interacted with the, the husband and the wife, uh, the respect that he gave them, the way that he just went through the Seder Haget with such... Uh, with, with such um, d- d- uh, deliberate style, explaining each point to the parties, making everyone feel comfortable, making sure that all their questions were answered. Here was a man who didn't look like anyone else in the room with a long beard um, and uh, clearly looking like the distinguished rabbi that he was, but he really made everyone feel comfortable. There was something so down to earth, something very self- soft-spoken about the way that he interacted with the people and something that I'll always remember when I think of, uh, of Robert Schwartz. Um, because he was a posake and an avbezdin, at least in, in the latter part of his career, more than anything else, um, r- more than a Rosh Hashiva, really. So he was a very practically minded, less theoretical person. He dealt with things in a practical way. He dealt with the people and with the shilas in front of him in a practical way. Uh, and because before that period in his career, he he spent most of his career as a Rav, as a Rav of a shul. So his persona was that of a sensitive pastoral figure who would attend to the pastoral needs of the people in front of him, who was sensitive to the, to the stories that were, that were brought to him, and who really had that, uh, that persona. Um, so because that was his persona in such a, a, a way, um, notwithstanding the fact that he did have so much Torah knowledge at his fingertips, he so as a result, because of that contrast, because his persona was that of a, a person, a, a down-to-earth person, an understated person, and a very practically minded person, it was only, almost surprising 
when in the course of a halacha conversation with him, with him, he would just start quoting these chuvos, obscure chuvos. At least to me, they were obscure chuvos. And you kind of had to reconfigure for a moment who it was you were talking to. Uh, someone who a moment ago kind of just was a friend, a person who you felt comfortable being with. And you didn't kind of realize at the forefront that in the back of his mind was just this encyclopedic knowledge of Torah that uh, that he brought uh, that brought to bear on the important and pressing matters that he uh, that he discussed. My most common interaction with Rabbi Schwartz over the years, uh, the the times when I would deal with him most frequently, was when I would call him on the phone to discuss complicated Yadut questions. People who approached the Besdin of America asking us to issue a ruling on their Jewish status. Uh, those were the situations where I most commonly called Rabbi Schwartz. Because the Din Torah situations, the, the Psakim and Dine Torah, those were mostly handled by the Dayanim. The procedural issues that came up, every once in a while I consult with Rabbi Schwartz on a procedural issue, but very often those involved legal issues. And, you know, those, those didn't involve as, as much the novel issues that, that really needed uh, a post-takes time and attention. Um, at least in, in my experience. The, the, the issues that came up that really needed Rabbi Schwartz's attention on a day-to-day basis were those Yaduk questions. And so frequently I'd find myself calling Rabbi Schwartz, especially in the early years when I was still getting, getting my, my arms around things. I would talk to him about uh, Yaduk, Yaduk cases. And I'll, I'll tell you two memories in particular that stand out in those interactions. One was that he was completely on the ball. We're talking about uh, someone who was by this point, I guess, in his 80s, his late 80s even. And in my mind, you know, a lot of these, when you're dealing with Yadut questions, you're researching the heritage of a person. You're trying to figure out who his mother is, his grandmother, his great-grandmother. And sometimes the family trees are complicated and the various pieces of evidence that come into play when thinking about the family trees are complicated. So in my mind, I had to, you know, write it down and it was... Uh, you know, it required some thought. And so I would worry when I would talk to Rabbi Schwartz on the phone, this is before the age of Zoom, I couldn't just post a, uh, a family tree up, I would kind of feel the need to slow down and explain the family tree in great detail. But he was completely on the ball. I never needed to say, to remind him who the mother was, who was the grandmother. He was, uh, he was, he was completely, completely on the, on the ball. There's a Gemara in Shabbos that talks about the fact that as people get older, sometimes they're um, memories or their cognitive abilities are not as sharp as they once were, although the Gemara makes a distinction between Amei Aretz and Tamidei Chachamim. Amei Aretz, as they get older, they uh, are not as sharp as they once were, whereas Tamidei Chachamim, who are involved in sugyas on a regular basis, as time goes on, they get sharp, they get sharper and sharper, and that was my experience with Rabbi Schwartz. He was able to nail those family trees without any, uh, any extra help, uh, and it was just you know, a natural conversation with him going through the family tree, going through the heritage and all the evidence that we had, that we had amassed in, in our research and, uh, and trying to get a, a psaac on a particular issue. That was one memory that stands out. The second memory that stands out is that he was an absolute master of the game of rabbinic Jewish geography. A lot of times when analyzing a Yadut question, uh, you need to know who the people on the scene were. A particular rabbi performed a wedding in the 1950s, uh, or uh, this person lived in this community, and what was the level of a Jewish observance in this community? And Rabbi Schwartz 
had this all at his fingertips. When you'd mentioned an obscure rabbi in some obscure town in 1955 who had performed a wedding, Rabbi Schwartz would launch into kind of a recollection of, oh yeah, I remember that rabbi. He used to be a regular at RCA conventions. And then he'd talk about that rabbi's uh, family tree. His grandfather was the machaber of this sefer or the machaber of that sefer. Uh, so it was almost a, you know, a fun pastime that Rabbi Schwartz had to kind of uh, fondly recall rabbinic figures of, uh, of yesteryear. And I think, and you got the sense that it wasn't just because he was a senior member of the rabbinate and lived through this, that he was around all these, all these decades, but it was because he was interested and passionate and an active participant in Jewish life in America and in the Orthodox Jewish scene and the rabbinate. Um, he was, this was something that was a passion for him. He, he, he loved recalling old Rabbanim, old communities, uh, because he was so intimately tied into the American Jewish experience. Uh, that was something that was, uh, uh, that I fondly recalled my conversations with him. And I think that also explained his attendance each year at the RCA convention. Someone of his stature, um, arguably had better things to do with his time than to travel to New York or to travel or to wherever the RCA convention, uh, w- was held. And yet he didn't view himself as a person of of high stature, who was above the fray, who couldn't interact with Rabbanim. I think he enjoyed being around Rabbanim. He enjoyed uh, recalling his experience. He would attend sessions at RCA conventions, um, even though he was he was like I said, well above uh, well above our Gubu, the, the you know in stature, uh, someone who needed to necessarily sit through sessions. But I think he he really reveled in being part of the American rabbinic experience. Uh, and meet with what meeting with young Rabban and mentoring young Rabban. And this was something that he really, he really uh, shined at. Um, the last thing I should just mention is that the, the you know, the Besden of America, the organization that he was at the helm of for so many years, for decades, uh, at the, the latter portion of his life, uh, flourished under his leadership. It was uh, his support of the prenup, his support of the various, um, measures that we took at the Besden, the enaction of the enactment of rules and procedures that made it a professional forum for dispute resolution. He was, he was behind all that. And he was, uh, he was the leader of that. And uh, I think that the, the flourishing of our Besden and of the Chicago Rabbinical Council's um, Besden and, and the CRC in general uh, is a testament to his leadership, to his deep knowledge um, and to all that he brought to the table. So uh, he will certainly be missed as a leader of, uh, of our community and, uh, and again, thank you, Rabbi Kivalevitz, for giving me the opportunity to say a few words. Um, I think Rabbi Schwartz would have said that it was miyuta machzika samaruba, Rabbi Weisman. That it, uh, few words, perhaps, but words that I think captured so much of his greatness. Rabbi Weisman, of course, mentioned the uh, encouragement that he gave to young Rabbanim. Um, Rabbi Schwartz always would say, uh, he would quote the Torah Tamima's uh, explanation of it doesn't mean to be a prognosticator of the future. meant that if you remember what has happened, if you remember what has ha- what has occurred in the past, if you understood that past, that would allow you to have a way to navigate the difficulties of the future. And I think that um, that was something that uh, he saw in the pride that he had when young Rabonim that he felt uh, could be nurtured, 
uh, again, I, I want to introduce Rabbi Reese. I just want to tell you, in, in, in terms of what you talked about, in terms of see there I get, there was Rabbi Abramson might not remember this, but there was I, I was also in Rabbi Schwartz's Besden on the Gitan, and there was one time Rabbi Schwartz could not be there, Bishumayfin, and Rabbi Schwartz asked me to be Masader the Get. And I said to him, I've never done it. I've seen you. I can't. Are you sure? He said, of course you can do it. Here, take this book. <laughs> and he gave it to me. And then he said, okay, learn it over. You'll be ready. And that was the the, the, the incredible confidence that he had in others. And I don't think he, uh, the, our next speaker is someone I know that Rabbi Schwartz not only had great confidence in, but saw as someone that was on the helm of of, of, of really the Dor HaChodosh, someone Rabbi Schwartz was very, very connected to, very proud of. He was his Rebbe over uh, the last 20 years. And I think that uh, Rabbi Yonah Reis, who I, I will probably uh, not do justice in terms of recounting uh, his titles, in terms of what he, who he is and what he's accomplished, he is presently the Av Bezdin of the Chicago Rabbinical Council, the Bezdin Tzedek. He is also, of course, a Chaver on uh, the Bezdin uh, of America, Rosh Yeshiva in uh, Yeshiva Rebitzkok Ochanan, and someone who I think over the last uh, uh, two decades was a Talmud and a, a Makabel and someone that Rabbi Schwartz uh, really loved dearly and respected for his intellectual acuity, his understanding, um, and, and many, many of these same mitos that Rabbi Schwartz himself uh, embodied. I know Rabbi Reese, I know you've spoken uh, already at the Hespid, and I know that uh, that there, you've already talked about Rabbi Schwartz, but I know that during the Shloshim, you, you've agreed once again uh, to to add your your Divrei Chochma and Harocha for the COVID, the Nifter Hagodol. So, Rabbi Reese, thank you so much again for being with us and, and offering words of Hespid and Harocha for Rabbi Schwartz. Thank, thank you very much, Rabbi Kibalevich. Uh, I'll start off by saying that Rabbi Schwartz says that Zatzal was always very sensitive of people's time. Uh, so I know that uh, there's only a certain amount of time that uh, was um, designated for this program, and uh, I want to be careful not to exceed uh, my limit. Uh, also, the truth is that um, probably any one of us uh, could speak uh, for hours uh, about uh, Rabbi Schwartz, and uh, therefore... Uh, we recognize up front that we're not going to be able to say everything that uh, that should be said. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I wanted to just uh, share a few uh, points that, that are particularly relevant uh, on this date as uh, we uh, convene to uh, pay tribute uh, to uh, this uh, Adam Gadol, really um, one of the Gadolay during this uh, during this period of time. Uh, so uh, today is Tisha Beteves, which of course is the, the yard site of Ezra Sofer. And uh, the word Sofer, as the, the Matthias Tzion uh, points out, uh, really is a reference not to uh, being a scribe, uh, as is uh, commonly uh, understood, but it means uh, being, uh, being a scholar, a chacham. Uh, sofer is a, a reference to somebody who's a Yodea Sefer. Rabbi Schwartz was a quintessential uh, Yodea Sefer in the tradition of Ezra HaSofer uh, always had a fascination, as Rabbi Weissman uh, mentioned, with all kinds of books of uh, Shiloh Suchuvos that weren't necessarily uh, familiar to uh, many other people, but he would always be able to pull out just the right citation uh, at the right uh, moment for any Shiloh that uh, would uh, arise. Uh, we have um, Gershon Klavan on this call 
So I remember once there was a question, somebody asked if he could officiate for an individual uh, who was going to be buried in a military uh, cemetery. So uh, Rabbi Schwartz uh, immediately pulled out. He said, oh, yeah, there's a tshuva there in the Tivrei Yoshua by Rabbi Yoshua Klavin, uh, Simon Yud Gimel, uh, about a person who was going to be buried after World War II in the Arlington National uh, Cemetery. We felt that if the individual was okay with it, so there's a mechila, and it's uh, not necessarily uh, at the end of uh, the world. They maintain the cemetery very well, uh, rather a revolutionary uh, idea. You still have to have a proper hokos uh, that uh, needed to, to be worked out, of course. Uh, but uh, that's what Rabbi Schwartz routinely would do, just uh, pull out uh, a tshuva from uh, some uh, sefer that most people hadn't even read and know exactly uh, what the, the appropriate uh, source, what the appropriate reference was uh, for any uh, occasion when I was... Um, uh, to trying to uh, enhance uh, the Skokie uh, Eruv uh, here in the, the Chicago uh, area. So one of my frustrations was that often uh, the wire, the telephone wire that would uh, serve as uh, the uh, Tzuras, uh, uh, as uh, the Kane uh, Al-Gabeyan uh, to um, be the uh, the wire for the Tzuras HaPesach, would be intermingled with five or six uh, other wires. And uh, it was sometimes difficult to keep track the air of checkers, of which was the uh, wire that w- we were using so we could make sure that it was directly on top of uh, the lechi of the lechayayim. Uh, and is this really the way that uh, doorpost is configured, that you have uh, all these different wires in all different uh, directions uh, on top and on bottom of each other? And uh, he said, oh, that's a good shayla. I'll come back uh, to you about it. And the next day, he gave me Mara Mekomos from a Dovev Mesharim, uh, regarding uh, this exact uh, situation of why this wasn't uh, a problem, always was able to provide uh, the perfect uh, maramokum uh, for any shayla that uh, that would arise. Uh, it says about the Ezra Sofer, Ki Ezra hechin levavo lidrosh istoras Hashem lasos lulamed biyisrael chokum mishpat. Ezra made sure to uh, target uh, his uh, his heart uh, and his attentions to uh, mastering the Torah so that he can perform it and he could teach it uh, and he can establish Chokul Mishpat, a proper system of uh, justice and Torah order amongst the Jewish people. This is exactly what Rabbi Schwartz did during his entire lifetime as uh, the Rav of numerous Kehillos, as the Abbezdin of uh, the Betin of America, as the Abbezdin, later the Rosh Bezdin of uh, the Chicago Rabbinical Council. It was uh, to teach people Choku uh, Umishpat, to uh, teach uh, the proper way of conducting their lives and of living in accordance with the justice, whether it was in adjudicating a Din Torah, whether it was in assessing the sincerity uh, and uh, the um, viability of a Geras candidate, or whether it was officiating over a get, he always uh, brought to this uh, special uh, sensitivity of Lassos and Lamed the Israel Choku Mishpat in the tradition of Ezra uh, Hasofer. Uh, another aspect uh, of uh, Rabbi Schwartz that ties in with the Parsha Sashavua, Parsha Vayigash, you know that uh, Yehuda uh, made the speech to Yosef when Yosef said he was going to have to keep Benjamin as a prisoner. He said that uh, this would be devastating to his father Yaakov because Benafsho Kishura Benafsho, uh, that uh, their souls are bound up uh, together. Just on a personal note, uh, in terms of uh, my own relationship with uh, Rabbi Schwartz, 
This is very much uh, how I felt, my family felt. Uh, he was a fatherly presence, a grandfatherly presence in our lives, lives of our children. When he would come and visit us every single month when we lived in uh, New York for his monthly visits at that time, at uh, the based in uh, of America, there was a special bond that we felt uh, with him. And I think a special bond that anybody who came across Rabbi Schwartz uh, sensed um, uh, that uh, they developed uh, based on their interactions with him and the amount that he cared about their welfare. I remember that when I would take Rabbi Schwartz uh, to Davening at the Riverdale Jewish Center in the morning, which was right across the street from where we lived, he would always encounter people who knew him from the young Israel of Borough Park, people who were good friends uh, with, his, uh, with his brother from, uh, from, from the Bronx, uh, and uh, they would uh, engage uh, just in uh, these excited conversations that uh, they were seeing this old good friend of theirs, Rabbi Schwartz. Sure, people would ask Shilas as well, but there was just this sense of tremendous friendship. Uh, this uh, Rabbi Schwartz was the ultimate Ish Mechubad, Eizu Mechubad, the Mechabed because of the fact that he loves uh, everybody so much. Uh, so they returned uh, that uh, love, they returned. Uh, that uh, sense of uh, appreciation that uh, Rabbi Schwartz had uh, for everybody. Uh, when it came time for me to publish um, uh, my Sefer, Kanfeyona, uh, uh, a few years ago, I, I had the success of uh, having Rabbi Schwartz uh, write a Haskama, you know, for, uh, for the Sefer. The Sefer only uh, came out uh, after uh, Rabbi Schwartz's uh, stroke, uh, after he was already uh, more in a uh, bedridden uh, type of uh, state. But I would frequently visit Rabbi Schwartz, and I read to him the words that I wrote in the Hakdama regarding my own feelings uh, in terms of what Rabbi Schwartz contributed towards me. And I'd like to share those words because I feel that uh, this was uh, something that not only uh, expressed my uh, deep-rooted uh, my own emotions regarding Rabbi Schwartz, but also something that he got to hear himself as I read these words uh, to him. I said of Esam Shana Achronos in the past 20 years, I received a tremendous gift, a gift that I felt I wasn't worthy to receive. From Hashem, that I was able to sit under him and be a, be a protege, be, be a disciple. Uh, of Rabbi Schwartz, Shlita Rosha Bezdin, Moeser Rabbanim de Chicago, Rabbezdin Bezdin, the America, Shalimed Osi, what did he teach me? But Poel, through his actions, his Nagu Shal Dayan, how a Dayan is supposed to conduct himself, how he's supposed to comport himself with a sense of dignity and uh, sensitivity and refinement. Whether in terms of how you go about Paskening Shilos, Midos Hanava, or through the humility that he displayed, and his tremendous love of everybody who came before him. And how to serve. As a leader, the Gemara talks about, there's a parnas parnas who asserts himself arrogantly uh, over the people, and then there's a parnas who leads the people gently. And that was Rabbi Schwartz. Developed a tremendously close connection with my, my children, bring them in uh, to, to visit with him even after his stroke. Uh, they would bring them in and he would give them brachos. And I didn't anticipate I'd be saying these words uh, today, right before Pashas Vayigash, but this is what I wrote then. This is what I feel uh, so strongly. 
Um, and I um, then I had Rafua Shlema, which is obviously for him. I read uh, this uh, paragraph uh, to Rabbi Schwartz. Rabbi Schwartz so is often a, a person with very carefully chosen words. Rabbi Schwartz just looked at me and said, sounds good. Sounds good was a nice compliment from Rabbi Schwartz. Sometimes you say something to Rabbi Schwartz, he just, you know, smiled like he would, you know, look at you. So weren't sure maybe it was okay. It wasn't terrible. If he didn't criticize you, he said, sounds good. So Baruch Hashem, I, I felt that this was um, an apt description. I wanted uh, to share it with you, uh, with you as well uh, today. On that note, uh, it also says with respect to uh, Yehuda's uh, speech uh, to Yosef, he said, um, uh, that I, I want to be able to speak something that's going to go inside your ears. Rashi says, something that penetrates. Rabbi Schwartz always was the personification of Dabba Bi'ito Mato. He knew exactly what was going to penetrate, what was exactly the right word. He was a person who uh, could always turn a phrase very beautifully, uh, knew how to do a good uh, banmo. Uh, I remember even in the Haskam, he wrote in my safe, he said, oh, I was asked to serve as a Sar Hamaskim. Uh, Rabbi Schwartz uh, liked to play with the terminology very, very beautifully. I remember they honored him for the Chagas Micha at YU. It was a beautiful, beautiful event. He had such a karasato to the people who were involved in making the arrangements, the accommodations of bringing him in for that event. Somehow Rabbi Schwartz uh, never really sought to, to be honored uh, so much over the course of his life. I can tell you that particular event, maybe because it was YU, his alma mater, this is where he received his smicha. Very meaningful to him. Anyone who was involved in that deserves a special Hakara Satov. It, it, it was a special event, rare occasion when he was able to just enjoy you know, being honored and being able to uh, contribute, you know, his words uh, uh, of wisdom uh, on a grand, uh, grand scale in front of everybody. And he, everyone was so taken by him. Here he was uh, practically 90 years old already. I think he was 89 uh, at the time. And he's delivering these knockout Divrei Torah left and right and center and all over the place. And they keep on asking him to say, because every time he spoke, it was such a jewel. It was such a gem. So they kept on asking him to speak over and over and over again. And finally, the last time it was, I think, uh, to, to reach dinner, um, he had given a shear. And now it was at the dinner and they called him up and they presented him with some special plaque. And they said, Rabbi Schwartz, uh, can you share some more words at this time? It was a couple of weeks right before Pesach. And Rabbi Schwartz uh, said, um, uh, you know, I've uh, given a number of Dibre Torah and I've enjoyed it very much. And uh, this entire uh, weekend has been uh, so uh, wonderful. But right now, as we're approaching Pesach, I can only think of one word that comes to mind, and that's Dayenu. Uh, so with that, that was his last knockout speech. Everyone appreciated it very much. <laughs> and um, the, uh, the evening ended uh, on uh, that um, uh High note uh, with uh, Rabbi Schwartz, uh, wishing everybody a chag kosher v'sameach and uh, preparing them to sing uh, to sing Dayenu. Um, uh, the other thing uh, that uh, comes to mind in the speech of Yehuda to Yosef, he says, "Ki kamocha kiparo, you're like Paro, you're like in my eyes, you're like uh, you're like the Melech that uh, Rabbi Schwartz personified. Certainly, man malchi rabbanon in uh, his uh, in his comportment, he did not uh, have uh, much uh, patience." or joy from rabbis who did not dress properly or speak with refinement or, you know, act in a way that he felt was befitting of uh, the uh, of the rabbinate. Everything that he did, even when he stayed in my home, there was never a moment 
in which he did not come across as uh, the Avezdin, which he did not come across as a Hashiva Rav. This was his persona and everything that he did. And he had extremely high standards. He couldn't countenance a Sheker. Remember, we had a Geras case where there was um, some uh, individual that uh, was, uh, we had, a, we were being requested to convert. They were a little bit, uh, it was uh, a child, I think, that had had certain um, uh, mental, uh, developmental challenges. So when the child was younger, now the child was a little bit older, but there was a question regarding uh, the mother's previous conversion, etc. So the family wanted to, us uh, to intervene uh, to do a conversion for this uh, young man who was now around 20 years old. Uh, but we got a hold of all of these medical reports that said that the person had no mental cognition, had no understanding, and um, uh, nonetheless, uh, there was uh, some pressure that we should we should get involved. So uh, Rabbi Schwartz and I spoke uh, to the people who were uh, trying to um, promote this uh, conversion to explain these medical reports, and they said the medical reports were in order to ensure that we get governmental aid. So we had to make up certain things or embellish certain things about uh, the mental and cognitive impairment, but really this person is, you know, capable of, you know, going through a uh, conversion process and having the requisite das. And Rabbi Schwartz said, I don't want to be involved. If there was any kind of a Shekir or even Shemitz of Shekir that was involved in this application, and uh, again, not casting aspersions on anything, but just explaining uh, Rabbi Schwartz's, you know, mindset, um, that Rabbi Schwartz just, he couldn't get, he, he didn't have, the stomach or the patience uh, for such things. Everything had to be 100% straight with Rabbi Schwartz. Everything had to be 100% uh, straight. Last thing that I'll share from, uh, from the Parsha, we know that Yehuda was sent down uh, when Yaakov went uh, to Mitzrayim with his descendants, the Horos of Goshna. You know, he was, uh, he was sent, as Rashi says, uh, in order to establish a base, a base Talmud, uh, that from there there would be instruction and teaching and Torah that would be taught because you can't go anywhere without having a yeshiva, without having a base Talmud. The Harosla Fanag Goshna is also uh, very much, I think, if you look at uh, the word Goshna, the Harosla Fanag Goshna, it's really an apt appellation uh, with respect to, to uh, Rabbi Schwartz and what he stood for. Goshna. Gedalia Schwartz, Nahag Hador. Rabbi Schwartz uh, was uh, somebody who was a leader of the generation, uh, who was prepared, uh, like Yehuda, to be a Gorarie, uh, to uh, stand up for what was right. That when Rabbi Schwartz needed to take the strong positions, he would do so, whether it was respect, with respect to Ebezdin, um, uh, that was created just to enable women to remarry. Uh, without a get uh, that he felt was uh, completely uh, counter to Torah tradition and took a strong stand against it, whether it was respect to, to what he felt was uh, the appropriateness of the get law that was passed in New York, even though not everybody was so excited about the get law, whether it was to be one of the early supporters of the halakhic prenuptial agreement, whether it was in order to step in to be the major posek uh, to uh, write the tshuva to resolve the 9-11 uh, cases, uh, or whether it was to express his opinion, uh, opposing partnership minyan and when the RCA asked for, and uh, Rabbi Schwartz was uh, the really only figure in our community who could write, you know, with uh, the authority that everybody would respect when it comes to these issues, because he was so suffused uh, with an understanding uh, and uh, with um, a, a sensibility 
uh, but what the Torah is all about um, uh, from start to finish. And Rabbi Schwartz wrote in that letter, just uh, so you can get a flavor, I reject the support of the partnership halakhically and intuitively. It's going beyond the boundaries of communal Torah observance. Maybe if somebody else would uh, throw in that in addition to their halakhic arguments, uh, they also, if we have an intuition against something, it wouldn't carry the same weight. Rabbi Schwartz, as I've uh, mentioned uh, at the Levaya, uh, he was our Das Torah. He was somebody where we, when we wanted to know the intuition uh, from that Torah, from a Torah perspective, he's the one that we turn to in order to provide uh, that sense of intuition. Um, but primarily, as uh, Rabbi Abramson mentioned uh, as well, um, he was uh, a person of Benavsho uh, Kshura Benavsho, as a person of tremendous uh, gentleness person of uh, tremendous um, uh, kindness, a person of uh, tremendous uh, warmth. Everything that he did in uh, Torah um, was um, presented uh, in a fashion of uh, gentleness, in a fashion of uh, the, the, not only the Dvar Hashem, but also the Ruach HaTorah, uh, the spirit of uh, how one is uh, supposed to uh, be a manig of the door. A manig is at Sibor of Benachas, uh, and uh, we should all be inspired uh, by his example. He should be a Melitz Yoshef for all of us uh, in Shemaim. Yehizach lo baruch. Rabbi Reese, uh, incredible. And I, I know that Rabbi Schwartz would have, uh, in many ways, Machtavek, a lot of the Shevach, but I know he would have loved Gleishna. I know that's something that would have really, I know that he is smiling, because he loved, as you say, that wordplay. That was, that was Spitz Gewaldig for Rabbi Schwartz. Again, that's, I was laughing myself in, in appreciation and not just laughing, but knowing that that's something that Rabbi Schwartz would love. And, and it was so very, very Tsugapast. As I said in my introductory comments, this is now in my, this Hadorum edition, uh, the last word uh, in terms of just uh, summing up, just like he would do in those Divrei Bikiris, and he would read and come up with a point you never would have seen. I happened to discover last night when I was looking into the um, the significance of tomorrow, which of course is Asar Betevis, which is a day of Tonis, a day that Abu Dram tells us if it would fall on Shabbos, that it would be Docha Shabbos. And of course, all the Chronim uh, ask, how is it Shayach to have, even, even Tisha B'Av itself is Nitche. How can it be that Asar Betevis is in a certain sense more Chomber than Tisha B'Av? And uh, some Seifer uh, it spoke about this issue many times, but in one of the things that he writes in uh, his, uh, it's actually in the Teras Moshe and Sefer Vayikra, uh, and, and somehow it's, it's, you wouldn't expect it there, but there he says an incredible Yisoyed, and I want to end with this. Some Sefer writes that because it was the Haskola of the Churban, because it was the beginning of what eventually happened in the terrible Churban, and in a way, not just that Churban, but the disconnect that we have from the Rabbeinu Shalom that we had in the, in the past, the idea of the Yachas with the Rabbeinu Shalom, with Shechina, it all began to crumble and end on that first Asar B'tevis during Bayes Rishon when Samach, uh, the, the Goyim were Samach on Irak Kedish. But Chamsefer says something deeper than that. He also says that the reason why we would fast, even though you would say it might be worse. It might be not as kal as, as, as more chumber than Tisha B'av. 
he makes an avada When it comes to fasting on a ton on, on, on Shabbos, the only fast you're allowed to fast on Shabbos is the Tainas Chaloim. And the reason is the Rishonim speak out, because the other fasts are for the past. Tisha B'Av is an Avelus from the past. Tshuva, Avelus. Whereas Chaloim uh, uh, is because you expect something, you're worried something terrible is going to happen in the future. So when you fast, you have the Oneg that maybe I was Masalik all the Tsarists to the future are going to come. Some Sefer says that the same way that was the Xera of Churban, every year on Asara B'tevis, there's a Din Shamayim deciding whether we're going to come out of Golis, whether that Churban is going to last, whether the Tsarists that have been part of our lives are going to stop. And our Avedah coming this evening and then continuing tomorrow to Erev Shabbos is to be Masalik that. The tainase that we have is the oneg that by doing this, we're going to push away the tsar that threatens us. There's no way to, to, to deny the sense that we have of the tsar of corona, the tsar of the death, the terror that's with us. And we're mispal every single day. Akadosh Baruch should be docha that. According to some sefer, it's asar betavis specifically, where through our fasting, that we can actually be poil that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's is going to be lifted and that we're going to see is really uh, the Aschalas HaGeula. And that's why it's an Oneg. The Oneg, and I know Rabbi Schwartz would want us to feel that sense of positivity. As terrible as things are, we have to be, raise ourselves and to be able to push towards that. And especially tomorrow, it's Erev Shabbos, it's difficult, it's the Chag of the Avodah Zorah, but it's also a day that we should have the bitochim, that things are going to definitely be better, things are going to rise. The same way Rabbi Schwartz says over and over, the pacha that they had after World War II, how the destruction and the Horbin, what has occurred, we're going to turn the page. And through our Avedah tomorrow, on the heels of recognizing Rabbi Schwartz, I think it can spur us to the proper Avedas Hashem, the Avedas Ruchni that I know he would want us to have. So I just want to again thank everyone on who has been. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.